Welcome back to Whitgift Conversations, the podcast where we talk to staff, parents and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. In this episode, we're talking to Pastoral Deputy Dale Kirby. Dale explains to us how the school supports the diverse community of students in the school, what the dangers are of the school staff not reflecting that community, the impact of the Black Lives Matter movement and what the biggest challenges are for students in 2021. This is one of those really solid episodes that's packed with content that some schools, some parts of society might not want to address. But not with Whitgift, because, as you know, this podcast is all about topics that are relevant to you. And that's exactly what this is. So come with me now as we step into a conversation with Pastoral Deputy Dale Kirby. Dale, thank you for being here and welcome to Whitgift Conversations. How are you today? I'm very well, Simon. Thank you very much for having me as well. It's It's been a good day. I've taught the two classes that I have. Um, I teach English at the school, and so we're working towards a final assessment on Frankenstein with my year nines. They're a tremendous group to work with. Okay. Uh, and with my GCSE group, they uh, were looking at a Benjamin Zephaniah text, which another colleague gave a lecture on, and we've been preparing that from the from the anthology. So it's been hugely enjoyable. Uh, met with some colleagues just recently as well, heads of department, uh, looking at what they've done in the space around inclusion and diversity and, if you like, decolonizing the curriculum, but also how we meet the students where they are. So it's been, um, it's been a lovely day. Mm. Really good colleagues, really good to talk with them about, about that work. And year nines, you mentioned those at the start of that answer. Some people kind of think that year nines can be one of the hardest year groups to teach. (laughs) (laughs) How do you find year nines at Whitgift? Year nine is genuinely my favourite year group. Wow. In fact, I think because, well, no, 100%, because you can do some more adult things with them. So so we're, we're exploring some quite challenging ideas around uh, Frankenstein and we'll go on to mm-hmm. First World War, War poetry but we'll look at you know things like the impact on the empire uh, the impact on on women and gender roles as well so you can do some quite ambitious things with them mm. the nice thing is you you don't necessarily have the pressure of a of a public exam at the end of that so you have a degree of uh, flexibility mm. there in terms of what you what you do as well and mm. developmentally they're at a really interesting stage you know mm. because they are they know everything mm-hmm. <laughs> being teenagers, but no, they're still, if you like, innocent enough to, to, to learn new things as well. No, so, oh, no okay. it's, a, it's a great year. That's really good to hear. It's really encouraging. Now, we're going to talk about a few things in this podcast episode, Dale, but I'd love to understand a little bit more about your own education, your own experience of school life. So can you tell us a little bit about where you went to school, where you grew up and, and how you found being, be, being a boy in the world of education yourself? I grew up in Birmingham, which you can sometimes tell by the by the accent. <laughs> I went to um, I went to a grammar school there, uh, which took me right through to the end of my GCSEs. It was it was selective to to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played rugby, a, a little bit of cricket. I wasn't wasn't very good, but I enjoyed sport um, tremendously. And then I did my A levels in North Wales at mm-hmm. a at a boarding school. Carried on the rugby. Enjoyed that for all sorts of different reasons. It's very different in environment. Uh, at one point, I was literally the only black student in the in the school. But oh, wow. actually, yeah, I, but I saw it as an opportunity, you know, knowing that people might be looking at me to somewhat reinvent myself. So where 
I hadn't perhaps worked quite as hard as I might have done for my GCSEs. I I really became much more sort of focused when I was doing my A levels and got a tremendous amount out of the the whole experience. Mm. Yeah. And then after A levels, where did you go and what did you do after that? I took a year out, in in fact, and I sold clocks and novelty goods oh. in um, a famous jewellery chain as as one of my jobs. I sold double glazing door to door. This was all to raise money to go out to um to the Caribbean. I went to Guyana, which is where my my mother's from, mm-hmm. and I taught in a high school out there for for five months uh, with people of a similar age so the way that it tended to work there is when high school students finished they might their sense of giving back was to do a further year at the school where they just oh, graduated okay in order to yeah support support the teaching um, mm. there so I was very much in a similar stage to them it was an amazing experience and mm. I also got to travel into the interior as well mm. slept in a hammock in a in a lodge in the in the rainforest wow. so just amazing experiences yeah yeah it was fantastic sounds a little bit different to Birmingham then (laughs) just marginally yes (laughs) (laughs) okay so talk me through a little bit between the jump to where you were in that school which which sounds fantastic to being in Mm. Whitgift what happened in between then well I went to Cardiff University originally I was doing a law degree and then decided I wanted to change to English and religious studies which is what I've ended up teaching in fact throughout all of my teaching career. Uh, while I was at Cardiff, I met my wife as well, which is um, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then after leaving university, I spent a year doing my teacher training qualification, my PGCE, mm-hmm. uh, Westminster College in, in Oxford, and then started teaching in Hounslow in, in West London, uh, where my son was born, not far from there as well. Mm. Mainly I was an RE teacher at that stage. We did just one year in Hounslow as a one-year post, mm-hmm. did one year similarly in, in Southsea after that. Mm-hmm. And then the large part of my teaching has been at, uh, was, was at Christ Hospital in, in West Sussex, and I still live in West Sussex now. Mm-hmm. That was predominantly boarding. It was uh, about 900 uh, boarders just sh- shy of that and then a small number of day students and that was that was co-ed as opposed to Whitgift now which is which is obviously single sex it's it's just boys mm. and so I joined Whitgift in 2019 mm-hmm. and it was quite a shift for me as you can imagine you know after 18 years in the in the same environment you know the place where you know, my both of my children I had a daughter at that stage had also grown up as as, as well mm. but it was really I suppose the ethos um, that the schools had in common, there was a really strong sense at Christ Hospital, and I, I see this in Whitgift as well, of trying to give opportunities to students that they might not otherwise be able to avail themselves of. So mm-hmm. high levels of bursarial support and also definitely a move towards a more inclusive approach to, to who might come to, to mm. the school. Mm. So a a fair amount of jumping, uh, at least around the UK in that sense. So what was it that attracted Mm. you to working at Whitgift? I mean, the critical thing really was was a single line in the job advertisement uh, where the school said that it wanted to better reflect the diverse makeup of the student body in its leadership. And that was really the single line that really spoke to me in 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 the in the job ad i i knew of the school i knew of the academic reputation because i'd had a head of department at christ hospital who'd actually worked at whitgift who's an incredibly bright bright man called david aldridge mm-hmm. and really inspiring as a head of department as well so mm-hmm. i did have a sense already of the sort of intellectual 
you know, firepower mm. of somewhere like Whitgift. Uh, I knew about the sporting reputation uh, as well. And I, mm. <laughs> I knew that we were a long way away from that in terms of Christ <laughs> Hospital, but <laughs> it was it was really that sense that the school actually wanted to to see in its leaders uh, people who looked like or could represent in some way uh, a, a large proportion of the students that mm. you know really piqued my interest, gave me the the confidence to apply. Uh, went through that that process and I was you know fortunate enough to to, to be appointed mm. uh, I was also drawn to the idea of being uh, a safeguarding lead as well it was a, a role I'd had at Christ Hospital for about about six and a half years and so being able to return to that sort of if you like that sort of casework though sometimes it can be quite quite difficult you mm-hmm. know quite quite sad as well uh, I really value um, the opportunity to do that that sort of work and that was that was part of the part of the role I was drawn to the idea though I'm not a Londoner clearly I was drawn to the idea that the school was rooted in South London as well so it was it was serving a community and I know it's it's an interesting one with independent schools isn't it that Mm. people might come from all sorts of backgrounds and different geographical areas but the sense that the school was was off South London and wanted to have a connection Mm. was was also really important to me so those were the main the main drivers I think. Uh, The first one that you mentioned about the about reflecting the diverse community what do you think the dangers are involved in a school not recognizing that and not trying to reflect that I think it's a real challenge for for the young people then to feel that the school is for them you know it might feel then as if you fall into perhaps a little bit of a trap of of doing things on behalf of the students well-meaning things perhaps sometimes as well but not really necessarily understanding where they might come from or or taking the time to find out and I I don't pretend to understand how you know all of the black students feel because I'm 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 a black man you know we'll we'll also come from very diverse backgrounds ourselves but Mm. I think opening ourselves up to those sorts of conversations is is really important Mm. but I think it's also important for the students to be able to see role models who who might be able to relate to some of the experiences that that they've had so when they talk about you know, the sense of being profiled, of being followed around shops, of being stopped by the police, being arrested. You know, those are all things that I've I've experienced. Incidentally, I was innocent, but I, that I, that I was, ar- was arrested <laughs> yeah. as, 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 as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can't really talk about that without talking about Black Lives Matter as well as a movement. How mm. do you feel mm. life has changed in the UK, in a UK school, or even more specifically in a UK independent school, in light of Black Lives Matter? I, I think it's been a tremendous moment for, for all of us to do some reflection, to recognise hurt, I think, and also a, a catalyst for doing uh, a lot of learning as, as well. And mm. so I was, I was really inspired by a colleague at Whitgift who, who leads our Afro-Caribbean society, uh, somebody called David Powell. And he led a meeting which was done virtually we were in lockdown themed around Black Lives Matter and the students who spoke during the course of that meeting and they had you know parents looking over shoulders and and listening in uh, there were members of staff like myself who were there simply to listen and to show some support mm. the students who spoke were in, in, incredible and they spoke about the painful experiences that some of them had had they'd they highlighted some of the areas that we really need to look at as as a school as well around opportunities to see themselves as leaders and to have the the full range of of 
you know chances within school and beyond school that that mm. every child would 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 want mm. so i think an opportunity to to sort of take stock and to to do some important listening i think that was the first thing it was a real catalyst for change for me as well i was quite inspired by that talk to then have a, a parallel meeting with with parents mm. and a number of them did open up about their um, their concerns for their their children you know going out into the world how they might encounter racists how they might encounter um, the police in sometimes quite quite negative ways as well how they would advise them you know not to dress in a certain way because they were afraid that they might be stereotyped or, or profiled and though that was really challenging to listen to and especially mm. the things within school as well where they felt that they hadn't necessarily always been treated evenly Mm. that was important learning for us to do as a school and for me you know as a leader within school as well and then the final area was around the learning and again inspired by another colleague from the from the sixth form team um, called Siobhan Patrick Uh, I started doing some of the reading that she circulated in the form of a a reading and 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 watching list um, amongst the sixth form so Mm. I was reading texts that you know allowed me to to understand a little bit better uh, what the experience might have been over over generations it just gave us a language I think that allowed us to then connect with the students and things that they were watching on say Netflix or things they were reading you know David Olasoga's book and and so on just being able to have that slightly more informed dialogue around the experience of being black and and British. Mm, mm. Gosh well thank you for giving us that insight into into how that was received in a school environment let's talk a little bit more about Mm. school because I'd love to understand a bit more about your responsibilities the areas of focus that you have within Whitgift can you tell us a little bit about Mm. that please yes certainly broadly speaking as the pastoral deputy I oversee everything to do with the the welfare of of the students and so everybody who runs an area that might be the the medical center it might be the uh, three directors of section that we have effectively they're directors of of key stage who in turn line manage our our heads of year Uh, I, i line manage them I have responsibility because it falls under safeguarding and compliance broadly Mm -hmm. for um, the HR recruitment and compliance department as well. Uh, I work closely with our, we're blessed to have three uh, psychotherapists working at the school. So I work closely with our designated mental health lead Mm -hmm. and also uh, on occasion I'll work directly with the psychotherapists as as well. Mm. I work with with the chaplain and we're very interested in how in a multi-faith environment like Whitgift, we can have uh, something that speaks to all of our students and people who have faith and people who, who have no faith at all as well and how the role of a chaplain can still be really important you know, in, in the 21st century. Mm. I also... Um, I'm involved with sanctions and and behaviour and discipline, and so you know part of my role will be sometimes to to hand down temporary exclusions. But what we're also trying to move to there is a process whereby there is more reflective and more restorative work going on in support of uh, these these major sanctions. So I see them very much going hand in hand. Mm. I also oversee uh, our boarding provision. We have one boarding house, as you probably know, of uh, about a hundred boarders. And the tremendously hard-working staff there, and so I oversee uh, what happens. And then I have two, if you like, projects which are part of the school's vision for 2025, which are around looking at our pastoral systems and how we might enhance those, and then about diversity and inclusion uh, as as well, with the, the aim being that the school wants to really be a, a beacon for diversity. Uh, mm. And so it's working towards that. 
um, that I've been quite focused on uh, recently. Mm. Tell me a little bit more about pastoral culture within Whitgift. I mean, how does that look and you know, how does it play out from day to day, from one day to the next? Mm. I mean, the staff here are absolutely fantastic. And the instincts I think they have around what needs to be reported, uh, for example, what needs to be shared either with a member of the year group team or people will come and they'll simply knock on my door and say, oh, I'm not sure if this is is, is a concern. But um, those sorts of instincts are really, really outstanding, mm. uh, really. So there is a sense that the form tutor, who's very much the centrepiece of, of the pastoral care here, will really try to get to know all of the students within their group. Mm. They'll notice when somebody is... A, a, a bit off color they'll they'll notice things like you know a change in behavior um, it might be eating patterns that have changed somebody's lost lost weight or gained gained weight mm. just not getting homework done and then thinking well that's unusual for that particular student those sorts of instincts I think are fantastic and there is a readiness to to seek support and to uh, to to go a bit further you know to find out what might be what might be the difficulty there we've you know we face some real challenges as as a school as well and in working with with colleagues i've been hugely impressed with 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 both the work work ethic but also the compassion that underpins the way that they go about making decisions and as i was saying about the the discipline system mm. you know we do we do sanction for for offenses serious offenses but this is also members of staff giving of their time to try to do that work of of re-education mm. uh, as well Tell me about the biggest challenges that students face in 2021 in a school environment. I'd say, first of all, and I don't think this is exclusive to a, to a boys' school, but I think the problem is particularly highlighted here. It's, it's around how students respond to issues of misogyny and sexism. Everyone's invited, uh, the, the website and uh, the particular and, and, and rightful focus on um, attitudes to women and girls has been um, something that's been brought into particularly sharp focus I think mm. uh, recently I would say for young men as well uh, wanting to locate themselves as part of that discussion as people who can be be allies be supportive and also not putting all of the responsibility onto the girls to fix the boys mm. I think is is a it's a tricky one f- for them but I've been really encouraged by the way that um, students have have opened up about these sorts of matters. They've spoken with other colleagues as well. I've got a wonderful head of PSHEE, uh, Jordan Lewis, who's done some listening with the students, and mm. a head of critical reflection, James Piggott, similarly. And they've spent a lot of time listening to the students and know that they want to be able to tackle these sorts of issues. They want to be seen as supportive. It's a challenge because these aren't areas necessarily that we've we've looked at before, and so we're trying to help them with that education. Mm. I think secondly, I would say online risks and I know that hasn't really changed for you know probably best part of two decades but it's, again I think it's it's particularly acute now with us coming out of lockdown you know the the ready access sadly to a pornographic material and the distortion that that can present of relationships sexual relationships intimate relationships making people quite fearful mm-hmm. I think the other sorts of threats can also be from radicalization I think that's still still present and I'm conscious that things like incels you know involuntary celibates as a as an area now of radicalization is something that 
we need to inform our students about and, mm. and inform staff about so that we can we can tackle this so we can enter into discussions where we're, we're challenging in the right sort of way because that's that's the huge privilege of schools isn't it that we do have the opportunity to to challenge and to have those sorts of discussions about some quite contentious quite difficult issues mm. and to rather than just to shut down the discussion to actually do that that re-education mm. and then the final area I would say is a as a major challenge is is the crisis in mental health you know mm. right across uh, the UK with increasing numbers of students um, and young people uh, generally unable to access the sort of external services that that they might might need and suffering really quite extensive mental health difficulties and we're incredibly fortunate as I said here to to have three psychotherapists we have a number of our staff are also trained as uh, youth mental health first aiders Mm -hmm. I think the the ideal would be to have more of the staff who are able to to be equipped with those sorts of skills not to take the place of the professionals but just to have those those first those initial holding conversations but I think it's challenging for young people you know particularly with the online world to to look after their their mental health and I'm you know I'm really hopeful with us returning to something like a normality in school that Mm. that might underpin a bit of a restoration for young people. Mm. Dale we need to bring this episode to a close in a minute but if anyone's heard anything and wanted to get in touch with the school what's the best way for them to get in touch with someone? I would certainly go through the school web website. Um, you're able to to contact us us there. I I'm also happy, in fact, for for people to email me uh, directly as as well. It's it's the normal Whitgift ending to my to my email address, and then my initials are are DMK. But you can find me through the school website and other colleagues that I've I've mentioned could all be contacted that that way as well. Mm. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. And thank you for volunteering, volunteering your email address as well. Dale, thank you for being here so much. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, it's been great to get more of an insight into what you do at Whitgift. Thank you. Simon, it's been a real pleasure. Um, thank you ever so much. So that was Dale Kirby, pastoral deputy at Whitgift School. Thank you for your time, Dale. It was great talking to you about these issues. Dale's offered his email address, so do feel free to use that if you wish. Just a reminder, it's dmk at whitgift.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you get future notifications. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.